and welcome to the Adventures in VHS podcast, the podcast dedicated to the lost format of VHS and the weird and wonderful films that it spawned. Uh, if this is your first time listening, the show is essentially a chance for me to pick one particular tape from my collection of ex-rental VHS tapes uh, to take a look at the release, uh, including its sleeve art, its blurb, its trailers and anything else, uh, before kind of getting nuts deep into the film itself. If you're a long-time listener, first off, apologies for the show being on uh, a bit of a hiatus for a while. As you've probably guessed already, it's not dead. It never was. Uh, I just had to put it on the shelf for a while while I got some stuff sorted with the Adventures in VHS book. Um, And by way of a very brief update on that particular topic, I can at least say that things have taken a bit of a turn with Adventures in VHS, the book, in the last month or so. Uh, and I will be relaunching adventuresinvhs.com on Friday, July 17th, and there you will find an explanation for everything. Um, On that date, July 17th, uh, you can expect another brand new podcast, uh, but along with that, you'll be able to visit the website, you'll find a full explanation of where the book is up to, how you can buy it, uh, along with another very special announcement about the book that I'm really looking forward to, to finally being able to share with you all. I will say that if you are one of the many listeners who've been kind enough to support the book with our crowdfunding campaign over at Unbound, you really will want to listen to that show as it as it does affect you, uh, hopefully for the better. Uh, but I just need a couple of weeks from now to sort all of that out and, uh, and get everything lined up. So uh, do please check back here for details on the 17th. Sorry I can't say more right now, but I just wanted this first show back to be just an out-and-out episode and not clogged up with me waffling about the book for too long. Um, So thank you uh, for your continued support and your patience, and I promise there will be some good news to share on Friday, July 17th. Um, uh, News that I'm hoping will finally get this book out there where it belongs. Anyway, without further ado, let's crack on with the show uh, as I ask you to sit back, relax, Adjust your tracking and prepare for some hardcore vengeance, Gary Busey style, with the UK Medusa home video release of 1986's Eye of the Tiger. Gary Busey is Buck Matthews. After four years in Nam and three years in prison, He's come home to find his family and his worst enemy waiting for him. What in God's sake's wrong with you people? Don't you know what's going on out there? You know, it don't matter how we wish things were. It matters how we deal with how they are. They made a big mistake, Matthews. You know, nobody ever stood up to them before. They are going to take a person. Sometimes when I was in prison, I get a feeling you know, just before something bad would happen. Yeah. Yeah. These people killed my wife, and nobody's doing a thing about it. Do me a favor, huh? Get out of this town. Let these maggots have it. I'm not running. They're just playing with you, you know. Soon enough, they're gonna kill you. I know you'd be around here somewhere. You got a plan? I'm praying for vengeance. Face to face. Fist to fist, and only one will survive. You and me! Gary Busey, Yafet Koto, Eye of the Tiger. So here we have the tape for this episode. It is, uh, as mentioned, Eye of the Tiger, um, released on Medusa Home Video. Um, and like all Medusa home video releases, it's a gorgeous hand-painted cover. Um, 
this particular sort of era of uh, of Medusa, where they had the sort of Gargan logo on the side, um, every single release is gorgeous. Um, I'm looking at just sort of just a few of them now, stuff like. Uh, the Sisterhood and where uh, Cocaine Wars stuff like that. Every single release that came out in this period had these these beautiful sort of um, hand painted covers. Uh, this one in particular is um, hand painted by an artist called J.R. Gilks. Um, I had a little bit of a search around online actually to see if I could find anything out about J.R. Gilks, but um, he's non-existent. I would love to track down some of these these artists, you know, beyond um, the more obvious people like Graham Humphreys and sort of find out a little bit more about them. Um, but sadly, in the case of J.R. Gilks, that's not going to happen, apparently. So um, so back to the cover, anyway. As I say, a beautiful Medusa home video uh, sleeve. Um, the image is a fairly typical image for a film of this, uh, of this era. We've got the lead actor, Gary Busey, uh, taking centre stage here. He's looking incredibly ripped, more ripped than I think. Gary Busey has actually ever looked in real life um, and is carrying a pump-action shotgun um, and he looks very serious and mean, um, which kind of suggests that this film is clearly a revenge movie in the vein of a Death Wish or something like that. Um, and across the top, we've got a tagline for the film, which in this case is just a man and his will to survive, which obviously is a play on uh, on the title of Eye of the Tiger and a lyric from the song of the same name. Um, there's a dude in a bald head who's clearly the bad guy who's sort of uh, floating about in the background and looks sort of half painted in. Um, he looks a little bit like the, uh, the lead character from Breaking Bad, I won't lie. Um, but yeah, the image is... Um, <clears throat> Gary Busey centre centre stage with a pump action shotgun. There's exploding cars in the background and um, armed policemen or sheriffs by the look of it. Um, and then you've got Gary Busey in Eye of the Tiger in in a gorgeous uh, font. Um, and then across the bottom, um, Scotty Brothers Pictures presents a Richard Serafian film. Gary Busey in Eye of the Tiger starring Yafet Koto and Seymour Cassell, uh, executive producers Herb Nanas, Ben Scotty, a Scotty Brothers production, in association with International Video Entertainment, co-producer Michael Montgomery. Uh, certificate 18 on the bottom, and also the Medusa Home Video logo, and then flip it round to the side, Medusa Home Video logo, uh, another replication of the uh, cover image and the font with the Medusa holographic sticker, Um the 18 certificate and the code for this one, which is M O one one one. Um, so that's the side, uh, moving on to the back. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six different images. Um, I, the tiger logo at the top, we've got a bunch of dudes being led by, uh, Yafet Koto in a Jeep. Uh, we've got someone breaking through a window um, in classic action movie style uh, on the back of a motorcycle, a scrambler-style motorcycle. Um, we've got Gary Busey in full running mode. We've got Gary Busey in full pump-action shotgun mode. Uh, and then an image of the uh, the aforementioned bad guy with the bald head who looks a bit like Walter White from Breaking Bad. Um, the last image is a weird one. Something's exploding, and I can't tell quite what it is. It looks like it might be a houseboat or um, or some sort of, yeah, a houseboat and a sort of, um, what would you call that, a, a sort of docking area. Uh, yeah, it, uh, we'll look forward to that. <clears throat> and then we've got the blurb across the bottom, so I'll read that out to you uh, now so you can get a bit of an idea about what the movie's about. In this outstanding action thriller, Gary Lethal Weapon Busey plays the part of Buck Matthews, an ex-soldier ex-con determined to build a peaceful new life for his family hounded by the corrupt local sheriff who first railroaded him into prison buck becomes enmeshed in a terrifying feud with the psychotic blade leader of a brutal mob of drug smuggling bikers who have the law on their payroll and the town in their pocket in the swiftly escalating and bloody war that is ignited by Buck's rescue of a young nurse from a vicious gang rape, Buck's house is destroyed, his wife killed, and his child kidnapped. With only his policeman buddy, 
alien star Yafet Koto for backup, Buck is compelled into a murderous head-on attack on the outlaws' desert the outlaws' desert highway at the wheel of an armored truck of awesome killing power. Um, written by Michael Montgomery, director of photography Peter Lyons Collister, produced by Tony Scotty, directed by Richard Serafin, licensed by Interocean Film Sales, and 1986 Scotty Brothers Distribution Associates, all rights reserved. Usual bump across the bottom, 18 certificate Medusa home video logo, 88 minute runtime, which is uh, always fantastic, and manufactured and distributed by CBS Fox Video London. Um, so that's the case. I think you can tell from the blurb that this, uh, as I just mentioned, um, clearly is a movie that's in the in the vein of a Death Wish uh, style thing. I love the fact that um, Gary Lethal Weapon Busey plays the part of an ex-soldier and an ex-con uh, who is determined to build a peaceful life, um, but is hounded uh, by the, lo- the corrupt local sheriff, and this uh, inevitably leads to uh, him having to rescue a young nurse from a vicious gang rape um as i say you know his wife being killed and his child being kidnapped it's it's all very death wish uh, and uh, it, it would be enough that gary Busey goes on a murdering spree uh but the fact that he does that with Yafet koto and with an armored truck of awesome killing power uh that only really adds to the potential for eye of the tiger uh, so I don't want to build this up too much, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, we'll pop the case open. This is a um, still the original Medusa box, so it's the the pale grey uh, Medusa box of the sort of uh, late 1980s with the um, mid to late 1980s uh, with the uh, Medusa Communications Limited embossed Gorgon logo on the inside. Uh, the label. I had the tiger in the same font, Medusa Home Video logo, 1987 Medusa Home Video and all the usual bump, and we've got the uh, Medusa uh, untouched polar-proof sticker, uh, holographic effect sticker on the side. It's a pretty clean tape. Um, there's nothing really too much to suggest that this um, that this lived in a rental store, although clearly it did at some point. Um there's one sticker on the side that's numbered A42, but apart from that, this isn't one of those uh, tapes that's you know plastered in stickers that have been half ripped off and stuff like that. So it's a very clean tape. It looks to be in very good condition. Um, it's uh, stock, uh, Max L stock, um, and it's an E105S. So um, I think that's about it, really. I guess we can kind of pop it on and take a look at the trailers. <laughs> So, uh, I may not have mentioned this, but this is a movie that um, I bought some time ago and I know nothing about. I bought it purely because it's a revenge movie starring Gary Busey and that sounds awesome. So, I know nothing about this film going in um, and I know nothing about the the trailers, which should follow in just a second. Classic Medusa logo. And here we go. Here comes the Medusa preview logo. Uh, so trailers to follow. Willie's the kind of guy who makes people nervous. Everybody in this movie wears sunglasses. seems to follow him around when he's not following it. It's like a fun action comedy. I do not recognize the guy in the. Uh, in the oh, this is White Phantom. Wow. Uh, okay, so. This is apparently called White Phantom, and it's a ninja movie. Uh, it looks, it looks like it's packed with, uh, you packed with fighting. Yeah, it looks like it's packed with fighting. It's got an interesting sort of um, 1980s comical lead. Now he's on the moon with a mullet and a sense of humor. Uh, who just happens to be a ninja entirely dressed in white. It's a very impractical colour for a ninja, um, because, you know, grass stains and stuff. But yeah, even his sword's white, which is great. I guess this is... I mean, obviously, this is cashing in on the... This is cashing in on the martial arts... um, the hunger for martial arts movies of this era, but also... Uh, you know, movies like American Ninja and stuff like that. Um, there was the no shortage of this American stuff. hero 
this looks pretty decent, yeah. I think Jake Roberts was that actor's name. Um, I'd check that out. That looks fun. Overseas film group presents. Oh, this is... Um, all right, well... You just heard the voice of Wingshauser. Um, and the movie this is a trailer for is the fantastic... Um, no safe haven there is. Okay, so this is No Safe Haven, um, starring uh, the magnificent Wingshauser. It's a cracking movie. Um, it's covered in the Adventures in VHS book, um, and um, it's actually one of the um, one of the chapters that's been put out into the world as well so if you do want to check out that particular chapter um, head to adventuresinvhs.com go down to the bottom and you'll see uh, a link to um, an example chapter for No Safe Haven and that's why I'll talk about this particular film um, but yeah it's great and uh, one of the couple of films that feature Wingshauser that in the movie in the in the book that have um, kind of made me fall in love with the crazy bastards a little bit Fabulous. Any more? Yeah, looks like we might get one more Medusa preview. It could well be for another tape that I own, because I own quite a few from this area. Okay, a man walks into a dark room. A woman is suspended from something by the looks of it. Is she dead or is she... Well, that person's dead anyway. Um, right, something's Welcome going on. to Oldfield. Oldfield has a long history of violence and murder. That's Vincent so Price. The very foundation of this place was human suffering. I'm too old. Well, this looks I... good. Here in a small American town, the horrors of the past. Right, so this is some sort of body horror. Um, From the grave to the swamp. Some body, body horror kind of thing. Decent oh prosthetic effects. To the fields. Uh, From a whisper to a scream. Oh, is it? Vincent I Price. think it might actually be called Terrell, a whisper to a scream. Cameron Mitchell. Rosalind Cash. Glue Gulliger. The eyes of Oldfield are upon them. How do you stay away from it? How do you know that I did? I think it's called from a whisper to a scream. I've not got it, but I would definitely check it out. There's weird mutant babies. There's eyeballs coming out of chests. Do a scream. Um, it looks very sort of um, directed by Jeff Burr. It looks very sort of like Brian Yuznery sort of body horror uh, type thing. So uh, I'm all for that type of stuff. I will put it on the list and try and track that down. It's like we've got another trailer in coming. Don't change your number again. You can't get away from me. Some sort of stalker film. When your job is exhibition. Are you a critic? No, I'm a window dresser. Beware. A woman. A, a, a story about a woman who's a window dresser. Beware. Who is listening? He yearns for your terror. Man filling a bath with broken glass, which probably isn't for positive reasons. So, lady, be careful. You have to talk about it. Lady, beware. That's a great title for a movie. Um, yeah, looks like a serial killer movie with a woman who's being pursued by some guy and um, there's an element of maniac in there. Sort of the what do you do when your life is in shatters? That's a good question. Um, there's a lot of mannequins. I don't know. What do you do when you can run no further? 
you stop. You're not gonna get to me. That's true. That's true. God, I'm gonna get you. And you fight. What do you do? Diane Lane. Excellent. Yeah, that looks fine. I'll have a go at that. Uh, what do you do when you can run no further? You stop. Uh, seems to be the message from that trailer. And uh, we got another trailer here, I hope so. A bumper crop. Saigon Commandos. He was a drug lord who ruled the streets of Saigon. Again, uh, a Medusa movie that I actually own. Um, he was the one man who stood in his way. And again, it's uh, a movie with a beautiful, beautiful cover. A really beautiful cover in the case of Saigon Commandos. Battling a treacherous enemy on a killing spree. We got a drug war on our hands from your cowboys can't turn up a damn thing. So yeah, exploding helicopters, um, in former in Vietnam a veterans. Twenty million dollar heroin yeah, I've read the blurb on the back of this tape before, and it seemed really confused. Is to bring his strike force out of the horrors of the jungle. But yeah, it's um, drug lords, Vietnam veterans. Um, it's a little bit Rambo. It's a little bit um, missing in action. You know that type of stuff. And it takes place when the streets of Saigon stars um, Richard Young of PJ Souls is in there, so uh, John fans will know that name. Um, I'll get round to it one day, I'm not in any particular rush, but uh, it looks okay. And that's that, so um, we've now got the BBFC um, logo coming up there, and I'm about to sit back and check out Gary Busey in Eye of the Tiger. Um, so after this break, um, we'll get to my review. Hi, I'm John Waters. Hi, this is Dolph Lundgren. Hi, I'm Lance Henriksen. Hi, this is Keith Gordon. Robert Pune. Miguel Ferrer. Nancy Allen. Robert Davi. Richard Elfman. Ileana Douglas. Patrick Warburton. Winghauser. Cliff DeYoung. Steve Railsback. Mr. D. William Cass. If you haven't been listening to the Projection Booth podcast, you're missing out. Each week, the Projection Booth brings you in-depth discussions of some of the most interesting movies ever made. I'm Mike White. No, the other one. I'm the guy who wrote the film fanzine Cashiers to Cinemart since 1994. Since early 2011, I've been co-hosting the Projection Booth podcast. Try us, won't you? I never try anything. I just do it. Visit the Projection Booth at projection-booth.com. All right, I'm here with Bill Byforce and Mr. Chris to tell you a little bit about Outside the Cinema. All right, Reverend Scott, take us to church. Uh, what can we expect to find from a typical show? Two hours of just random blabber. <laughs> uh, is there anyone's coattails you wrote in on to popularity? I'm the guy that f***ing burns the coattails and then pisses on them. You review all these exploitation, <laughs> horror, comedy, cult, and often all-around terrible movies. You must have a strong driving force that keeps you going. Ego. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard you say that before. Uh, yeah, I've been saying that for a while. Really? I have been saying that for a while. Also, I'm high on smack. Well, it's definitely working for you guys. Yeah. People are coming out in droves to support you on iTunes. We just the other day got a, a, a one-star review on iTunes. Well, that is one <laughs> That is one star too many. Let me tell you. The worst f***ing piece of shit I've ever heard. This has been great, guys. Thanks, Scott. Ah. That was good. Oh, he's got you crying over there. I'm good for the rest of the year. Nice. That was too much. So I suppose I should start by apologizing for the choice of music on the show, uh, certainly at the beginning. I do take great pleasure in selecting opening songs for each of these shows. But in this instance, I really had no choice whatsoever in terms of what song I was going to use. Uh, in any case, it's 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 probably a track that you will all agree um you pretty much never get bored of hearing, so uh, hopefully that helps, but yeah. Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. Um, it is without question one of the most synonymous with one movie in particular songs that you'll you'll ever come across, um, so kind of a surprise to see it used on another movie, maybe. Um, you think of everything I do, I do for you. You think of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. You think of My Heart Will Go On. You think of Titanic. You think of Eye of the Tiger, you think Rocket, uh, or more specifically, Rocky III. Uh, it might not be 
Ghostbusters or Weird Science, uh, both of which obviously are eponymously linked uh, to their associated films. But it does feel like a strange decision to hang a title, a tagline and a theme tune uh, on a movie uh, like this when the, the, the associated song has already sort of permeated 1980s culture so effectively just, just three or four years earlier. Um, but they did that. Uh, so here we are with uh, Eye of the Tiger, um, uh, the Gary Busey revenge movie, which uses the, uh, the, the, the Survivor track not quite as effectively as, as, as Rocky Three does, I, I will be honest. Um, but it is uh, included at the beginning of the movie, as you would expect. Um, so you start off uh, with, uh, there's a very sort of quick pre-credit scene, which is two very different men uh, getting suited and booted for their day of release from jail. Uh, and then you get that blast of Survivor over the title credits. And we're then introduced to these two ex-cons in a little bit more detail. Uh, the first of the two is our hero, uh, a quietly intense Vietnam veteran named Buck Matthews, uh, played by Gary Busey, and he's been spending time on the inside for apparently standing up to the corrupt sheriff that operates in his hometown. The other guy is a dude called Jamie, uh, who's a, a Hispanic actor by the name of George Gill, uh, who's turned up in, in plenty of things over the years from Miami Vice to Out for Justice. Um, and here he plays a Colombian drug lord type who wears a white suit and is, let's face it, pretty obviously channeling another white-suited Colombian drug lord who we're already pretty familiar with. A couple of minutes there, man. I didn't think they was let us out. Come on, man. Hey. Let's have a drink, man. We're free like a paloma. No, thanks. Hey, man, don't be a shit. Get up the depot. Hey, Buck, you saved my life, man. I'm not going to let you get away that easy, huh? But Scarface comparisons aside, Jamie is a buddy of Buck, and he's a buddy who owes Buck a favour um, from their time inside. Uh, it transpires quite early on that Jamie uh, owes Buck because Buck saved his life. It doesn't go into too much detail. Uh, but it does offer a chance for Jamie, before he heads off into the sunset, um, to say in no uncertain terms to Buck, look, if you ever need anything, um, I'm here for you. Just let me know. Um, he says it over and over again. And then finally he gives uh, Buck a piece of paper that just says, anytime, anywhere, for anything so you, you kind of know at that point that one way or another um we've not really heard the last of of, of jamie or or at least his character um obviously it's just as well because when buck gets back into town there's not only a corrupt sheriff with a, a vendetta against him to deal with see i don't want you in this town you're an ex-convict and you're a killer and as far as I'm concerned, you're one mean son of a bitch who shouldn't be out on the streets. But there's also a motorcycle gang that has been terrorising the town bit by bit. Uh, the These bikers are, who sort of wear a, a dark green uniform and, and black helmets, um, they're not just a sort of gang of hell's angels or bored teenagers. Um, they are kind of a professional outfit. I think you can tell that from the fact that they're all sort of dressed in the same gear. Um, and it turns out later on, we learned that they have a professional drug business, uh, which the drug in question appears to be crack. Uh, and that's on the outskirts of the town. And they, they're tied into the sheriff, um, who it seems is kind of, or it's suggested at least, is is kind of either just turning a blind eye to what they're doing or helping to sort of make sure that their, their drug business stays functional. Um, part of which involves making sure that, you know, people like Buck uh, aren't going to step in and do the right thing. Uh, so thankfully, most of this hasn't actually hit Buck's radar just yet. Um, he knows that he's not wanted in town, uh, but he's very clear that this is his home and he doesn't want to leave. Um, as such, you sort of see him with his brief uh, altercation with the um, 
with the local sheriff who tells him in no uncertain terms that he isn't welcome. He leaves that behind, completely ignores it, and he just goes to goes off to be reunited with his wife and daughter. Uh, and in the days that follow, you also see that he's even gone back to working on a building site where everyone seems to know him, everyone seems to love him, um, and everybody seems damn glad that he's back around. Um, the, the, later on, you kind of find out that it's suggested that's because, you know, he's a war hero and people trust him, but it's also because he has effectively stood up to this uh, this corrupt sheriff, it seems. Um, so things are going quite well for him. Um, and the music kind of starts to indicate at one uh, particular point, you can hear that music in the background, that everything is coming up book. But that music, uh, like the story, uh, takes a bit of a dark turn when it's kind of revealed that there is a threat on the horizon and it's headed Buck's way. Now, being the good guy that he is, Buck has to get involved when he knows someone is in trouble and when he hears a woman screaming over the sound of some motorbikes he drives to the scene to help out the damsel in distress quite how he manages to hear a screaming woman over the sound of half a dozen motorbikes from a distance that requires a car to drive to it is a question you might ask yourself Um, the answer to that question is Gary Busey uh, that is to say, it doesn't matter. What matters is he gets involved. He saves the life of a local nurse who's clearly about to get raped or killed or worse, uh, and he chases the gang off into the distance. Um, obviously, they're not happy, but even more unhappy is, uh, yes, the local sheriff. My job is to enforce the law in this town, and I do it. I have a mind to send you back right now for that stupid vigilante shit. But you're going to leave this town, Matthews, and I mean leave it one way or the other. I'll see to that. No shit. But it seems Buck has, uh, by way of his actions, become something of a local hero once again, or or even more of a local hero, if if you'd like. Uh, He's stepped in, he's saved the local nurse, he's taken on the gang that have been causing so many problems in town, um, and as such, people are desperate to speak to him. Uh, old friends have come out of the woodwork, and um, even the local TV station has turned up to uh, to speak to the hero himself. The problem is, the already pissed off biker boys like to tune in to the early evening news. A good Samaritan, hey. a special breed in these violent, frightening times. This is Melody Mendrosa with Mini Cam Six in front of Buck Matthews' house on East Canyon Road. So everything at this point is screaming for Buck to just up and leave town. Sheriff's told him that he's going to make it his job to chase him out. His wife is literally begging him to let the family leave. And even his friend, a local ex-sergeant named JB and played by Yafat Koto, uh, has been telling him to get out while he can. Even though... Every time he suggests that he and his family leave, there is a sort of undertone that his reasoning for saying this is a little bit selfish. It took me 20 years to make a sergeant. I had to come to this hick town to do it. It would have taken any shithead pecker with two years. Look, I don't owe anybody nothing. But I know I love that ass sheriff. hate you. He's afraid of you. You come back from overseas with medals. Everybody admires you. You're a man that was ready to challenge him and get those people in town to stand up to him, and he knew that. So uh, he did something about it. He stopped him. You and me. All I want is out. Eventually, though, despite all that, Buck decides it would be right for for he and his family to leave town. Um, and why does he does he make that final decision? Is it because the sheriff wants to throw him back in jail? Is it because his best mate has warned him that it's definitely for the best? Is it because he's clearly angered a violent and criminal gang who know where he lives? 
Is it because his wife and child are in very clear and very present danger? No, it's because he's got a feeling that something bad might be about to happen. You know, sometimes when I was in prison, I get a feeling real quiet and deep. You know, just before something bad would happen. Same thing in Vietnam. Ah, that old Vietnam intuition, eh, Buck? Anyway, as you'd expect, it's too little too late, and in classic 1980s action movie style, motorbikes crash through the giant windows, uh, windows that are very obviously made for that purpose, of his house, and his life is turned upside down. His wife is killed, his daughter is so traumatised that she ends up in hospital, and the biker gang even turn up to the funeral of his wife to rub salt in the wound. Now, not only is that an opportunity for them to see where she's buried so they can dig her up later and drag her coffin around town uh, in a moment which I must admit genuinely sent a cold chill down my spine, it is also a chance for us to get a proper look at their leader, who is a man named Blade, uh, who's played by any which way you can and Conan the Barbarian actor William Smith, uh, who will later dish out this fantastic piece of advice to our hero. Never scratch dry shit. And will also make this noise when he finds out one of his biker buddies has been decapitated uh, by the side of the road when Buck's mission of revenge finally kicks in. Alright, calm down. Um, so, as you'd expect, the final act of Eye of the Tiger is taken up by that aforementioned mission of revenge. Uh, which starts off quite promisingly, thanks to some things that have been put in place a little bit earlier on. First off, our old mate Jamie makes his contribution when Buck calls him up and, and asks for help. Um, Buck basically digs out the piece of paper, makes the phone call and says, look, Jamie, I'm in trouble, I'm hurting bad, I think are his words. Um, and he he essentially asks for, for Jamie to step in and, and do something that's going to help him out of this situation. Now, you might think that Jamie would send some of his men down to pitch in and, and take down the gang that killed Buck's wife. But as we all know, the last thing that any solo man-on-a-mission man film needs is, is an easy way to take down the baddies. So instead, he sends him a pickup truck that's tricked out with all manner of gadgets, um, including a minigun and a rocket launcher, all of which appear to be controlled by what looks like a Kempston joystick um in the in the in the front of the car um so you know as soon as we see that it's like all right well we're going to see that again at the, we're going to see that again in the last act and it's going to be quite explosive so it just a seed is placed that will uh, that we that gives us something to look forward to um so to a degree buck is out on his own um but that's not to say that he's completely without help uh Yafet Koto's JB eventually decides to kind of pull his head out of his ass and help take down the gang um, using a bi-wing aeroplane that he's been, been restoring along with a bag of grenades and the blood-pumping sounds of Mr. James Brown uh, because one musical connection to the Rocky franchise apparently isn't enough. Um, and in the meantime, Buck is kind of busy trying to rally the help of the local town. Um, unfortunately... The way he does this is just by wandering into a bingo hall full of bemused old codgers, and then he just starts to yell at them, um, and predictably they all just ignore him. Excuse me a minute. What in God's sake's wrong with you people? Don't you know what's going on out there? Or are you just pretending not to see it? I can't believe this. This place is crawling with lice, and you're acting like it's Mayberry RFD. You know, when I went off to Vietnam to fight, I wasn't fighting for patriotism or some flag or some country. I was fighting for this town so I could come back and marry Christy, have kids, raise a family, have a normal life. You know, it don't matter how we wish things were. It matters how we deal with how they are. Now, you gave Sheriff Copeland this town. You gave it to him. He's got it. He ain't going to give it back. It's as simple as that. 
I'll tell you what, the next person that dies might be your wife or your kid. So I want to know, who is going to help me? So having yelled at a load of old people in a bingo hall, um, Buck realises he is... Uh, kind of out on his own, as I say, with, a, with the exception of Yafet Koto's character, um, and he is going to go after the, the gang himself. Um, and then comes your big banging climax, your bombs, uh, your henchmen somersault in 18 style out of various explosions, plus the obligatory kind of fist, uh, fist-based showdown uh, between Buck and Blade, uh, uh, where, just to remind you, Buck is advised... Never scratch dry shit. And words to live by. I'm sure you'll all agree. Um, and there you have it. That is, that. That is in a nutshell, um, Eye of the Tiger. And I won't lie, it's a lot of fun. Um, I have issues with it, though. It could have been much better. Uh, what drew me into the film in the first place, or what drew me towards the film in the first place, is certainly in terms of covering it for the podcast... Uh, was the idea of seeing Gary Busey as a 1980s action star in a, in a sort of Death Wish-style revenge, revenge flick. We all know that, you know, what Gary Busey is nowadays, and he's become kind of a, a figure of fun for a lot of people on the back of it. I really liked the idea of seeing him uh, in his heyday, let's say, uh, and seeing him, you know, starring in a film, heading up an action movie, um, and having the opportunity to kind of uh, be front and center, he's done an awful lot of movies. Particularly, he's done an awful lot of cheap knockoff things in the nineteen nineties as well. So I just figured, let's go back and see a younger Gary Busey and and see what he was kind of up to back then. Uh, you know, long before all his troubles and and, and that type of thing. And you know. Gary Busey in a 1980s Death Wish style revenge flick is what I was promised and and to a degree it's kind of what you get. If I am being honest though I I was a touch disappointed with just how flat Busey is as an actor. You could argue that he's probably going for a sort of simple earthy everyman approach, you know, a guy who's pushed in, pushed into a situation that he doesn't want to be in, but in parts he really only comes across as well simple um so so yeah Busey's a bit stiff and while you could argue that most of the era's action stars were the same certainly with straight to video action stars like Chuck Norris it is nice when you get a little bit more uh from from someone who isn't a Schwarzenegger or a Stallone I don't know one of the the examples which is in the book is is Wingshauser who is is just a fucking lunatic of a of a lead actor you know straight to video lead actor but he's got a little bit of something else there um and i think that's kind of the problem here is there's no real presence to to gary Busey as a character he's he's playing it quietly and he's playing it quite reserved and he does well enough with that but you never really feel like he's a man whose wife has just died you never really feel like he's a man who's about to explode with rage and I will certainly take the argument that uh, the character of Paul Kersey, played by Charles Bronson in, in the Death Wish films, in the first film at least, is is not is not that different. You, he's a simmering kind of character, but it, that simmering does feel like it could explode, and that simmering, do, you know, does feel like a bit of mental torture on his part. Here, you just a lot of the time. Um, Busey's character just feels like he's waiting. He's sat around waiting for for something to happen. Um, Yafet Koto is missing for a lot of the first half, but of course when he does show up, he has more than enough charm and acting skill to kind of pick up the slack where Busey uh, cannot. Um, and as you might expect from a film like this, um, he sort of becomes the sort of sidekick a little bit towards the end. Uh, but it's it's great to have him on board because, as I say, it, it, it helps balance out um, Busey's sort of lack of presence. A film of this nature, you know, there are funny little details and, and, and silly little moments to look out for. The most obvious would be the occasional boom mic dropping interview. That happens. But, um, yeah, there's also just other little oddities. There's an actor who shows up in, in a scene where um, 
Yafet Koto's character has been asked to to get one of his mates to come and, and help guard Buck's daughter in hospital. And this guy turns up, and I swear he is Cleveland Brown from Family Guy. And I, I don't mean that in a nasty way. He just, he looks like him, and he speaks like him, and his mannerism is just, it's very odd. Um, yeah, so look out for Cleveland Brown from Family Guy. Um, but if there is sort of one MVP of a moment um, in, in the whole of uh, Eye of the Tiger, it has to be the scene where Gary Busey jams a Vaseline stick of dynamite up a mute biker's arse in a, in a sort of bid to try and get answers out of him. Um, on its own, that scene alone is worth the price of admission. So, yeah, it's it's a movie that's peppered with a few little bits of magic like that. So it's definitely worth checking out. Um, it's not Death Wish. It's not even Death Wish 2, but Eye of the Tiger is kind of a blast in its own way. And if you do want to check it out, you'll find the DVD online uh, as part of a four-disc Region 1 set that also includes uh, Exterminator 2, Cyclone, um, and Alienator. Um, and I think that's like £4.75 on Amazon. So, um, yeah, if, if if the sound of Eye of the Tiger uh, is piqued your interest enough, then, you know, throw Exterminator 2 into the mix and a couple of other random movies, and that's well worth £4.75 of anyone's money. So, um, yeah, check it out. We are praying for the soul of your wife. No, Father. What for, then? Praying for vengeance. So that was Adventures in VHS episode 17, Eye of the Tiger. I hope you had as much fun hearing it as I did making it. Uh, as I said at the start of the show, I will be back on Friday, July 17th with a brand new episode of the podcast plus a relaunched version of adventuresinvhs.com that will come with some big news on the book and information for all the people who have supported us through Unbound so far. Honestly, it's looking like July 17th is going to be the most important day to day on this whole Adventures in VHS ride so far. So I hope you'll be listening and I hope you're as excited uh, as I am about what it is that I have to share. Um, again, apologies for being obtuse about it, but um, all will be revealed on the 17th. As far as the film for the next show, I haven't quite decided yet. I was just looking over my shoulder here and there are a few contenders uh, I'm looking at Maniac Cop, Remo Armed and Dangerous, Slot High, Dark Angel, the House Trilogy has been on my mind for a while. Um, who knows, maybe it'll be one of them, maybe it'll be something else. Um, but I will let you know on Twitter and Instagram as soon as I know so you've got time to find the movie however you do uh, bef- before the show is available. Um, so thanks once again for listening. Hopefully I'll be speaking to you again very soon in a couple of weeks. Uh, in the meantime, you can chat to me on Twitter via at FilmRant. You can feedback about the show on adventuresinvhs uh, at gmail.com. And uh, also, you can join me over on the Dude and a Monkey podcast next week when I will be joining um, Ian and Mark to chat about the Terminator franchise. So um, this week, I will be watching Terminator 1 through 4. Um, obviously a huge fan of the first two and keen to sort of revisit the other two Um, and then we'll be sort of getting into Terminator Genesis as well so um, if you haven't had quite enough of my uh, Mancunian rasp then um, head over to Dude and a Monkey podcast and and pick up that show as well Uh, and until next time, ta-ra!